Welcome to our third episode of A Deeper Understanding with David and James. I'm David McSwain. And I'm James Galloway. And today we want to talk about a very sensitive subject, one that's been in our news for several weeks now. Um, we're going to talk about abortion. We're going to talk about um, abortion from a biblical perspective. Uh, so James, I think we, you have a scripture that uh, we can read uh, about this. Yeah, I came across this and you know, it's one that we known for years and one that's highly quoted but from jeremiah chapter 1 verse 5 uh, the bible says before i formed thee in the belly i knew thee and before thou camest forth out of the womb i sanctified thee and i ordained thee a prophet unto the nations and of course you know he's talking to jeremiah but i think the the beginning of that is you know is where we want to key key on tonight and before i formed thee in the belly i knew thee and that's the the biggest debate uh, that there's been about abortion is the term that they like to use called viability. You know, whenever, you know, a, a baby is is able to live on its own outside of the womb. And uh, I think it's important for us as Christians to realize that from the very moment of conception, you know, God knew us. You know, God formed us for a reason. And I think that's, you know, where people lose sight of in the debate today is the fact that they don't give credence to the fact that that child, you know, whether it was, you know, from a mother and father trying to have a child or whether it was by accident or whether it was through some, from some nefarious act, that God formed that child and God knew that child in the womb. And I think as Christians, that has to frame our thought on abortion. It has to be our perspective that we come from. You know, and you can go through all the science. And I went back and, and looked at a, a lot of different aspects of it. And actually, I went back and looked at the history of abortion. We can talk about that a, a little later, too. But, you know, since since Roe versus Wade was the Supreme Court decision came down, I believe it was in 1973. Mm-hmm. You know, science has changed so much. You know, just from the, you look at it from ultrasounds. You know, when Melissa and I had our kids, you know, ultrasound was still rather grainy. You might could make out some. I never could make out what they were looking at. I just had to depend on the doctor or nurse whatever to tell me what I was supposed to be seeing. You know, but now we have four four dimensional sonograms, which you can see every feature of that child, and I'm just blown away by that. And if you go back and look at the science, you know, it, they say it, at roughly two weeks is when fertilization occurs. Uh, and then four weeks after that, r- roughly six weeks, is when the heart begins to beat and the circulatory system begins to take place. And that's just magnificent to me. You know, when I stop and think about the wonder and the gore of it all, and, and to think that, you know, we even still have to have that debate today uh, about whether or not that's an actual child inside that womb. And that's why they changed their terminology. They don't refer to it as a child, they refer, refer to it as a fetus or a clump of cells. Right. They try to dehumanize it, you know, or take away the, the preciousness of it. And that's not at all, you know, what God intended. You know, I, I believe if people looked at it from the aspect of every child is precious in God's sight, you know, from that very moment of conception, that very moment of fertilization, that child is precious in God's sight. Right. And what I, what I get out of that verse here, um, when it says before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee, you know, that's telling me that that God chose me. Yeah. God chose me to be born at a, sp- a specific time and a specific place and as a specific purpose. 
for my life. And he has that same purpose for every child that's ever been conceived. And when we take that away, we're we're upsetting God's plan. Yep. God's plan for that child um, to be made in his image and to glorify him with his life. Now, now I know a lot of people say, well, well, this child turned out this way and this child turned out that way. Well, you still have free will. You have to make the choices. God gives you the opportunity, but you have to make the choices. Um, how are you going to live your life? And, and, and how you're going to um, represent him. Um, you know, not everybody does. Not everybody makes that choice. But there's a whole lot less that do make that choice than don't. Yeah, and, you know, people want to key off on, on the fact of, you know, what if what if that child has, you know, what we, you know, want to, to being a deformity. You know, and, and they talk about Down syndrome as one of the most common ones. You know, but I've known a lot of, I say a lot, I've known several, you know, adults and kids with Down syndrome over the years. And the ones that I've known are some of the most loving people that I've ever come across. You know, they forgive faults when, when James can't, <laughs> you know, and they look beyond, you know, a, a, a lot of the faults of people. And I think it's important to realize, you know, just because that child isn't perfect, in man's eyes, doesn't mean it's not perfect in God's eyes, and, and we lose sight of that. And I went through this statistic the other day and pulled it up. You know, since well, every year in the world, and this is this was staggering to me. Every year in the world, there's forty to fifty million abortions worldwide, and that comes out to roughly one hundred twenty-five thousand per day. I mean, that to me, that's just, that's just a staggering number. I can, I can't wrap my head around it. Is it is. Yeah, I know when when our uh, youngest daughter was uh, when my wife was pregnant with her, um, we were older, and when we went to uh, our consultation with the doctor at a certain point of the pregnancy, you know, he asked us. He said, you know, I think there was a there's a test they can do for for a Down syndrome. Mm-hmm. I think they get some amniotic fluid or whatever and test it. Um, and he he asked us. He said. Um, do you want to do this test? And then he rephrased it. He said, well, even if even if the child does have Down syndrome or any other kind of birth defect, are you going to go through with the pregnancy? And we said, yes. And he said, well, there's nobody going to do this test. And, and, and I, was, yeah, I, agree. I was very grateful for him to say that, you know, because it, it showed that he, he valued life yeah. as well. And, you know, there would be, there would have been no point in that, Pregnancy, whether it showed anything on the ultrasound, it showed anything, you know, anywhere else that we would have made that decision. You know, we would have had it made. Yeah. Uh, regardless, no matter what. Yeah, and that's, it's, you wouldn't even think that'd be a, a, a choice. You know, I realize people come from different backgrounds and different aspects, but still, it's just, it's hard for me to imagine a place, you know, especially the United States has been blessed beyond measure. That you know, the United States, there are half of all pregnancies are unintended, and four in ten of those are terminated by abortion. Forty percent of unintended pregnancies are terminated by abortion. You know, and that's a child who. I mean, he, he may grow up to be the one who cures cancer, 
or he may grow up to, to be the next president of the United States, you know, that had his life taken away from him before he ever had a chance to, to begin. And I just, I don't know, you know, you're a parent, I'm a parent, you know, and I, I just, I, it never was an option. It never was, never entered our mind, you know, to terminate the pregnancy. You know, right. Melissa and I, when, when we first found out we were pregnant with Jacob, you know, we had just adopted Christian. Christian uh, came to live with us in October of 1998. He was um, roughly five months old or four months old uh, when he came to live with us. And literally, I think two weeks before we got Christian in her home, because we knew he was coming, you know, we found out Melissa was pregnant with Jacob. You know, that was the, the big question. Do you want to go through with the adoption? And again, there was never a thought. Right. You know, um, we didn't intend <laughs> to, 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 to have two kids that would be 11 and a half months apart. You know, but that's the way God intended for it to happen. And uh, I think that sometimes you know, we have to realize that even the best made plans that we lay out, they're not the plans that God has for us. Right. You know, and we have to learn to, to change our plans to match his. And we live in a very selfish society today where it's me, me, me. That's not what I want. That's not the way I planned it. And I can't sit there and say I've never had those thoughts because I have, but I still have to learn to accept it. And it, and it just blows my mind of how some of our um, lawmakers view abortion. You know, I, I heard one the other day when I was listening to the, to the radio. Now, this wasn't a uh, opinion of a talk show host. This was an actual lawmaker stating this. And it was to the effect of, well, you know, sometimes... Uh, accidents happen. Sometimes it, when you're in, in your marriage and at the point of your life where accidents happen and you're not ready for that child, you're not ready for that. So that's the time that you may consider aborting. Well, that that's crazy. That's not an option. Mm -hmm. You know that <laughs> that is selfish. It shouldn't be an option. No, not in those circumstances. No, you know if you're married, you know. Your wife gets pregnant, even though it's not an ideal time. But what I was told, it's never an ideal time yeah. for a child. But you just don't get rid of it because it, it's going to inconvenience you. Well, I mean, you know, Melissa and I, we were not ready at 23 years old to have, to have two kids that, you know, basically when we went to Walmart, it was, oh, are they twins? <laughs> no, they're not. You know, but it feels like it. <laughs> you know, but you're you're right. You're not ready. I mean, you know, it can never, we, we, we want everything to be perfect, you know, and life isn't perfect. No matter how hard we want to frame it that way, there's only going to be one perfect life, and that's our life outside of this life when God takes us from, from, from this life to the next. Then we won't have to worry about it anymore. Um, but uh, again, you know, you brought up the, the lawmakers, and I, I was just astounded, uh, what was it, maybe the end of last week, uh, when there was a um, archbishop in California, you know, that finally came out and said that, you know, Nancy Pelosi, Speaker of the House, that she 
will not be receiving communion because of her stance on abortion. And I actually read an article on that today. And it, I think it was the editorial board for the San Francisco Chronicle came out and said that she was closer to God than that Archbishop was. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, her fight, you know, for the little people, her fight for the, the people that are, are downtrodden. And I'm like, what about the archbishop? You know, and I'm not Catholic, you know, but what about the archbishop who's taking a stand for that that child that nobody else is going to stand up for? Right. Right. And, you know, you, you pointed out the statistic that an estimated 40 to 50 million uh, abortions a year. Uh, and you take that number, and I would say, I don't know, 99% of those are just because of inconvenience. Oh, absolutely. Just not wanting oh, absolutely. You know, some people make the argument, and I heard uh, an interview on this the other day, about, uh, well, what about rape and incest? Well, you know, those are two very, very awful things. Those are very bad. I've never had anyone that, you know, my children or anybody I've known be in that situation. So mm-hmm. I don't know that situation. But I think a lot of people use that very small percentage of people to make the other 99% okay. Yeah. You know, as an excuse. Yeah, and if you were to if you were to say right now, let's say the Supreme Court comes out with their opinion and they say, you know what, we're going to knock abortion down to where it's only legal in cases of rape and incest. They wouldn't be happy. Right. You know, that's their big thing, and I fully agree. That's their big thing. They come out and say, you know, we're raping incest. And I've seen articles on that you know, the past three weeks, you know, that, you know, the state of Mississippi or the state of Texas or the state of Oklahoma or the state of Missouri, the state of Arkansas, you know, they're going to ban abortion and have no exceptions, you know, for rape or incest. Okay, what if they did? Right. It's, they still wouldn't be happy. And you go back to, to the Democrats, you know, in 1973 and beyond, you know, they wanted abortion at their onset. They wanted abortion to be legal and to be rare. Rare was their word, you know, but from that, it's morphed into no limits on abortion. You know, when you and I talked about uh, the Congress, I think it was last week, that tried to pass a law to codify Roe versus Wade to make it the law of the land. Well, if that had passed, there were no provisions in there to restrict any abortion. So anybody could have had an abortion from the moment of conception or whenever they want to say it starts up until the moment of birth. You know, that's their mindset of abortion. You look at it, and I, I had a graph, but I don't have it in front of me, that, that showed the restrictions by state. And, you know, there were only 21 states, I think, that had regulations in place, you know, that, that banned abortion after, say, anywhere from 16 to, to 20 to 22 weeks, somewhere in that neighborhood. 21 out of 50 states in the United States. So. You know, they keep making that statement, but that's not that's not their mentality. I mean, they want abortion to be legal, to be wide open, no restrictions on it whatsoever, to where that mother can make that decision up until the moment of birth, you know, to abort that child. And I'm a man, okay? I've never had a child. But I was in there with my wife when she had two of them. And I know it wasn't a pleasant experience for her. So, you know, <laughs> I don't know, you know, maybe maybe someone would go that route, but, but still, I just, I, I, I don't know. It's, it's hard for me to fathom 
you know, a country such as the United States of America that we know has been blessed by God Almighty that would allow such a thing as a partial birth abortion to take place. Right. Um, you know, and I heard an illustration uh, one time about, you know, what if someone uh, committed murder of a lady mm-hmm. who was pregnant? Yep. Um, they don't want that person charged with double homicide because it murdered, it killed the, the, the woman and the child. Now, those same people are for abortion. So how how do you dif- differentiate between the two? I mean, is it just because it, the mother wanted the child? Is that, is that the it, difference? It, it, it's where it comes down to. That's, that's their argument is the fact that you took her choice away. Right. Right. <laughs> That's the only only statement they'll make. But what choice does it does the baby have? It doesn't have a voice. No. It doesn't have it. You know, it doesn't have advocate for for he or, or she. Um, it's just a it's just a helpless being. Yep. Yep. And you know, I, I heard a. Um, I guess one of the articles I was reading the past few weeks, kind of a couple of weeks ago, about this. They talked about you know abortion. It used to be wide open and legal in the United States. You go back to the 1830s, 1840s, 50s, 60s, you know, abortion was legal in, in every state. You know, uh, and I got to thinking about that. You know, and these same people, right, that, that make that statement, you know, it wasn't until the 1920s, 30s, 40s, you know, that we began to put restrictions on abortion, whatever. Or maybe it was the late 1800s. But those same people are the same ones that, that claim that we're an evolving people, that we're smarter, we're brighter today than we were back in the 1800s, okay? So why can't that mentality apply to abortion? Even if it was legal back then, which, which it was, you know, why can't we use that same, that same mindset to say, you know what, we're smarter, we've got more science, we've got more technology, you know, my goodness, today we can operate on a baby in the womb. Right. They couldn't do that back in the 1800s. I mean, we have a lot of different tools. You know, so I mean, to, to make that statement, well, it used to be legal, now you want to take it away from us. Man, a lot of things used to be legal in the United States. It used to be public hangings on the square with hardly a jury trial. You know, there used to be, you could have, you know, a showdown at high noon, you right. know, on, on, on the city, on the city square right. and kill somebody and you wouldn't go to jail for it. I mean, there's a lot of things that used to be legal in the United States that's, that's not anymore. Right. Uh, Let's take, you know, we're, we're, we live in South Carolina, so let's take our state yep. as an example. Yep. A law in our state. Uh, South Carolina bans abortions after 20 weeks, yep. including partial birth abortions. Okay, after 20 weeks, what's the difference of being after 20 weeks and conception? Because you can't get to 20 weeks without conception. Yep. Right? So is it, is any, is it any less a being at conception than it is 20 weeks? It's not. It goes back to their magic word of viability. You know, the thing that, you know, doctors still don't agree upon, you know, when that child, you know, can live outside the womb. So that's, you know, some states are 20, some states 21, some states 22. So they just stick an, an arbitrary number out there. But in, in God's eyes, no, there is no difference. Right. You know, from the moment that child is conceived, you know, that child is no different in God's eyes than it is then. 20 weeks, 30 weeks, 36 weeks, full term, no difference. Right. And you know there there are consequences uh, to abortion uh, that that not only affect um, you know 
the mother having an abortion, but it affects, uh, I guess you could say, the future, mm -hmm. right? Um, because it takes away from what that child would have would have done in its life, mm -hmm. or what it would have produced in its life. Um, now we have a guest here with us. Uh, it's my wife, Leanne, and she's going to give us a little perspective uh, on that issue because she was adopted. She, her, her background is her biological mother, uh, as we understand, and we don't know a whole lot, but she was very, very young. I mean, probably, I don't know, 15 years old. Um, now, it would have been very easy for a 15-year-old to say, hey, I, I don't want to deal with this. You know, I'm getting, I'm going to have an abortion. I, I just can't deal with it. Mm -hmm. I'm too young. I, I, I mean, I have my whole life ahead of me. You know, I, I can't do this right now. But she decided to carry the baby to term and then give it up for adoption. Now, she was not adopted right off. She yes. was, you know, she was born and they took her to an orphanage uh, in Savannah, Georgia. Columbia, South Carolina. She was born in Savannah, Georgia. Okay. Um, but, you know, she got the opportunity to live and got the opportunity to bless another family. Absolutely. And the family she went to was a, you know, a Christian family who wanted a child. And she blessed that family. And they raised her. Uh, she could have had a better life. Absolutely. You know, so uh, can, you, can you talk a little bit about, um, you know, just being adopted and what it means to you to be adopted? Well, she, she's kind of shy right now, but uh, let me let me um, I'll 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 help you out a little bit. Um, tell us a little bit about your parents, your adopted parents. Well, <clears throat> they're both just wonderful Christian uh, people. Um, I can't imagine um, being uh, placed with anyone better. Um, I was given the choice of life, uh, which you mentioned earlier, could have ended. Um, very early um, when my biological mother um, found out she was pregnant, but thankfully she chose life. Um, you know, I, I, I couldn't ask for a better upbringing, um, just always being uh, took to church and, and brought up in the Christian faith. And uh, I'm just, you know, very thankful that uh, my biological mother decided uh, to choose life for me. Um, and, you know, the blessing that I have been to my family, uh, my adopted family, and uh, just, you know, it's just been a wonderful life, and I'm just so thankful. Um, and now, you know, married and have three beautiful children and uh, grandchildren, and uh, it's just, you know, it's just so sad to me that so many lives um, are, are killed each day through abortion, and you know, you just think about how, you know, many children could have been blessed and, and placed with adoptive families that can't have children of their own, um, you know, and I, I just hate that people think that uh, when babies are conceived that they are not a real life and they're just tossed away. It's just, it's just heartbreaking, um, you know, all the thousands and millions of children that have just been uh, killed. Um, and you know they could have had so much more. Right. So, let, let me ask you this, Leanne. You know, from from a 
you know, from an adoptive perspective, from a mother's perspective, what would you say to someone who was in the same situation as your birth mother, who's 15, 16, 17 years old, who's got that unintended pregnancy? What would you say to them if they're contemplating abortion? Well, definitely, um, you know, just share, you know, what their baby in giving it life could do for an old family you know, what that child may be, what God intends for that child, if, you know, if they would just choose life and, you know, definitely go over the biblical, you know, aspect of it. And, you know, it is murder. Um, you know, and, and the, you know, things that you, the, the, the birth mother has to deal with, even after they think, I think a lot of times they think, oh, well, once the baby's aborted, then I can go on with life. But from what I understand, you know, it haunts you the rest of your life. You know, and it's just so important uh, to choose life and to let that baby, you know, have a life and, and then bless another family that just that aren't lucky enough to have their own. And not just bless another family, but think think about yours because you're sitting here tonight, a wife, a mother, a grandmother. You know, just because that young girl made that decision, you know, regardless of what took place after that, she has blessed countless lives right you know because she made that unselfish decision you know to to carry that baby to term you know the difficult and it, it had to have been gut-wrenching decision you know to put that child up for adoption you know but to give you the chance that's right that's that you right. have today and I will, I will always be so thankful to her um, for, for giving me that chance to live and have a life yeah. you know I think a lot of um women who are, are girls who become pregnant, um, you know, unexpectedly or, or without planning. Um, I think they feel, I don't, you know, I don't know, maybe I could ask Leanne this, but w would you feel less guilty um, if you had an abortion uh, as opposed to giving birth and seeing the child and giving it away? I mean, I don't know if that would be something that that would factor in. I, yeah. I don't know if women would be I don't know, scared to see the baby because it would change their mind. You know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. I just think you know, choosing to give that baby life and then placing them into a loving home that you maybe couldn't provide would be a lot easier. And it would be very, very hard, but it would be a lot easier than knowing that I killed my own baby yeah. in, in the womb. Like, I don't think that that would be ever be something that you could ever get over. And I think it would haunt you. Right. I would worry about those people that it doesn't. You know, and I know they're out there. You know, you'll, you'll hear testimonies and you'll see these, these people at these rallies that, you know, I've had three, four abortions and I'm just fine. Those are the people that, that I sincerely worry about because their heart is just so hard, you know, toward that gift of life. It's hard for me to, to fathom. And um, you're talking about it from a religious perspective because that, that's what we do. And we let off with scripture, you know, but it's important to, to, to know what faith leaders, you know, think and say about abortion. And I know we talked about it before it came on air. You know, and I go back to the junior or the freshman senator from Georgia, uh, Raphael Warnock, who's a Baptist pastor you know, who came out a couple of weeks ago in favor of abortion. And I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm shocked 
about that. I, mean, right. I, I just don't understand it. No, because you can't, I, the way I feel about it and from my perspective is you can't be a Baptist pastor. You can't be a, a pastor of any Christian denomination, denominated church and be forewarned because it's not biblical. It's not. You, you can't say that the Bible is inerrant and then uh, support abortion. I, I, you can't. The, the two doesn't mix. Right, and, the, and there's no there's no scripture there that points to it, allows it, you know, and, you know, everybody gets tired of hearing thou shalt not kill. You know, but that's really what it comes down to. And, and Land mentioned that. I mean, it, it is murder of right. a child. And, and the Bible says, you know, we're supposed to protect children. You know, they're, they're the least. I mean, we're supposed to protect them. And if that doesn't begin at conception, then, you know, when does it begin? You know, right. I mean, uh, there's some that go as far as, you know, what, what they consider infanticide, which is the process of allowing the child to be born and just die there on the table. I mean, at, at what point do they want to stop? Right, and you know, to me, life, you know, life is so precious. That that's what the whole Bible is about, is life. Mm -hmm. And you know, God sent His Son, uh, as precious as as He is to Him, and gave gave that life up for for mine yep. and yours and Leanne's and any other person who wants to accept it. He loved us that much that he gave his own son for us that we may live, yep. we may have life. And to deny somebody the right to live is just sinful. Yeah, it is. It, and, and unfortunately, it comes down to the, the, the same thing. It comes down to worldviews. You know, some people have a biblical worldview and, and some people don't, you know, and uh, I was reading an article before I came over here about, you know, the Hubble telescope and them seeing that, you know, the universe is expanding faster than it was during the Big Bang. Uh, there's a reason for that. because the Big Bang didn't exist, you know, <laughs> at least from, from what, what I believe and what I believe the Bible teaches. But, I mean, in terms of abortion, it comes back to, you know, do you have a biblical worldview or not? And it's sad that we as a country are, are split almost down the middle on that, you know, from people who see, um, you know, that there is a God in heaven, you know, and, and that God in heaven is, that they want to say he's a loving God, and he is a loving God, and I mean, I'm not going to dispute that, but he's a righteous God too, right? Uh, you know, I think it's important for people to, to realize that, and, you know, I think it, before we sign off, and I think we're getting close to, to the end, you know, that to, to think about those those mothers that are out there right now that are toiling with with that decision, you know, that just found out that they were pregnant, you know, they're not ready, they don't want to have kids, well, whatever. I think it's important for them to know, you know, that God does love them, you know, and God loves that child. Um, and if I could say anything, would be, you know, to go talk to a faith leader somewhere. Go talk to a crisis pregnancy center. There's several of those around. I know there's one outside Gastonia. Uh, it's the closest one I can think of around around us where I live. But there's crisis pregnancy centers that can go through and they can give you counseling. They can give you options. They can 
they can help line up uh, uh, adoption and, and so forth after that. Uh, but realize that there are people out there that love you, that truly want the best for you, want the best for your child. Right. Right. And uh, yeah, that's about all the time we have uh, for this episode. So I hope you've enjoyed um, this episode. I know it's a very controversial issue. Um, you may not agree with the, the perspective that we have. Um, but like James said, if, if you're in that situation, um, please choose to choose to have your child and to give it life, not only for that child, but it, but to bless someone else. Um, because children are a blessing and they can bless so many people. Um, so please just, uh, you know, choose life and, uh, and do the, uh, the, the correct thing to do. Um, for lack of a better word. So until next time, uh, my name is David McSwain. I'm James Galloway. For a deeper understanding. Storyblocks Audio.